0: Throughout this month of February, these last four weeks, we have been exploring the upside-down kingdom of God, a place that Jesus describes with his words throughout the Gospels, a space that Jesus draws us towards modeling in how he lives and how he loves, a new, a different way of living, of life, where the prejudice of love becomes paramount. A prejudice that Jesus specifically shows and shares when he encounters and he engages with people who are marginalized or oppressed. The prejudice of a radical love, an inclusive love, a love that knows no boundaries and no borders. It is a place This upside-down kingdom, it is a place that Jesus calls us to co-create with him, this upside-down kingdom of God. This last month, we have explored one specific description of this kingdom revealed in the Beatitudes, specifically the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6 from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. In this particular passage, we find Jesus describing what it means to be blessed, to be fortunate, to be happy. In this upside-down kingdom, this is perhaps not what we would expect to hear. Blessed are you who are poor. Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when people exclude you, when people insult you and reject you as evil. <laughs> so yeah, uh, maybe not what we would expect to hear from Jesus. Maybe not what we would want to hear. Not what we would consider a blessing. How it is good, fortunate, to be poor or hungry or heartbroken or excluded. And yet, this, this is Jesus deconstructing how we understand the kingdom of God. This is Jesus challenging our human hierarchies, our understanding of what really matters. This is Jesus upsetting the balance, our beliefs, about what it means to be right or wrong, to be good or bad, to be favored or fraught. And here, here in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, in this Sermon on the Plain, Jesus flips those scripts that we have all heard, that we have all learned and repeated over and over and over, those preconceived notions that we all hold. Here, the full passage of scripture, the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Plain, the Gospel of Luke chapter six, verses 17 through 23. Coming down from off the mountain with his disciples, Jesus stood on a plain, surrounded by his followers. And Jesus was soon joined by a huge congregation from all over Judea and Jerusalem. Even from the seaside towns of Tyre and Sidon, They had come, they had come to hear Jesus preach and to be cured of diseases. Those disturbed by evil spirits were healed and everyone was trying to touch Jesus. So much energy was surging from him. So many people healed. And then, then Jesus spoke. You are blessed when you are poor. When you have lost it all, God's kingdom is there for the finding. And you are blessed when you are ravenously hungry. Then you are ready to receive the messianic meal. And you are blessed when your heart breaks and when tears flow freely. Joy comes in the morning. And count yourself blessed when you are excluded. Every time that someone cuts you down or throws you out, every time that someone smears your name, what it means is that the truth is too close for comfort. And that person is uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. For even though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. May we understand what the Spirit is sharing with God's people in this passage. Now, a quick note. A quick note, because Pastor Evie mentioned a few weeks back that these Beatitudes show up both in the Matthew's Gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, and here in Luke's Gospel, the Sermon on the Plain. It is often thought that Matthew's Sermon on the Mount is the more profound, insightful, and certainly longer teaching but I think, I think there's something special, something unique about the nature of Jesus' sermon on the plain. Here in the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus not atop a hill or on a high place preaching down to the crowds and his followers, but rather here is Jesus, Jesus who has descended from the hilltop and meets those gathered on the plain on level ground. Jesus stands alongside among those seeking his attention. Here in Luke's gospel, Jesus is accessible. Jesus is available, he is present. Jesus is beside the people with the people. I've always thought this was an important and often overlooked part of the Sermon on the Plain, how Jesus seeks to be included and include all gathered. And this, this is where we find ourselves today. Today, asking what it means to be excluded and to be blessed by it. So what does it mean to be excluded? What does it mean to be unwanted, to be outcast, to be ostracized, to be rejected? What does it mean to be blessed by being barred, by being prohibited, by being shut out and kept out in a way? These last last three weeks, we have focused on the poor, on the, the heartbroken, on the hungry. And there is perhaps something ironic in that it is the poor and the heartbroken and the hungry who are often excluded in our culture, in our society, in our circles and spaces today. Consider our culture. Consider what it is that we find most appealing, most attractive, most impressive. What movies or stories or people do we find most desirable? It is certainly not people without the clothing or the shoes or the roof over their head or the food on their plate or the sad, those who have tears streaming down their face all the time. And yet here, here in the Beatitudes, Jesus challenges our idea of what it means to be hungry, to be poor, to be sorrowful, to be left out, to need time and attention and energy and empathy. Here, here Jesus challenges us to consider not just our own experiences, but others as well. Those who know what it means to have physical and emotional and mental and spiritual needs, even when they are not us, especially when they are not us. And granted, we all have these needs, yes? Perhaps that is what is most ironic about being excluded. There is not a single person that I know who does not know what it feels like to be left out, to be excluded, to be set aside. At one time or another, what it has felt like to feel unwanted, undesired, underappreciated, to be stepped on, to be cut down. We have all, all of us been there. Surprisingly, even after experiencing it ourselves, after enduring it, maybe even after recovering from it, those who have been excluded all too often make it a habit of excluding others still. And we, we exclude people for the most random of reasons. Yes, age, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, education, relationship status, height or weight or size, political belief or faith or religion, where you are from, where you are going, what you have done or what you have not done, you name it, and someone has been excluded for it. It's human nature. So many reasons to keep them away from us and us away from them. And there it is. There it is. Did you hear it? Us and them. Them and us. Whether we realize it or not, we categorically create within our very fabric of our communities and our cultures and our systems and our society separation. And all of it, all of it begins with us and with them. Interesting thing about us and them is whenever we draw the line, whenever we create a circle or a a barrier that keeps us and them separate, Jesus is always, Jesus is always on the side of the separated. Jesus is always on the side of those excluded, on the other side of the line that we have drawn, the circle we have created, the barrier that we have erected. Jesus is always seeking to include more more people than we can possibly imagine. God would rather that we be good neighbors than good theologians or good Bible scholars or even good rule followers. Think about that for a second because the fact is the best way for us to be all of these things is to follow Jesus's call. What Jesus asks of us, to love God and love our neighbor, to love each other. And by neighbor, Jesus means everyone. We read about that in the Gospels as well. Anyone and everyone that you encounter is a neighbor. There is no them. There is no us. There are no good or bad neighbors, no right or wrong neighbors. There are simply neighbors that you know now and neighbors that you have not yet met. And this, this is the real challenge for us to break, to break our human nature and to heal our way of living. To heal our way of living in a way that helps us to recognize that all, all are our neighbors and we exclude none. Author Rachel Held Evans once wrote, there is what God calls the kingdom. And this is what it's like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry. Because they said yes. And there is always room for more. There is always room for more. I love this to know that there is always room for more. And I have to say, in recent years, too many calling themselves Christian, too many churches have defined themselves not by how big their table is and how much space is available, but rather who is welcome there. When any Christ-following community of faith defines itself by exclusion, it isn't just wrong. It is forsaking its primary responsibility to be the broken bread and the poured out wine in the world, to be the body and blood of Christ in this time and place. And it's not ironic that the only group of people that Jesus had serious critiques for were those who included themselves and excluded others from the love and the company of God. I want to share a parable I once heard by a man named Phil Harrison. Phil writes, the other day I had a dream. I dreamt that I arrived at the gates of heaven, heavy shut and pure oak, beveled and crafted glinting shapes in the, sun- the sunlight. And St. Peter stood to greet me. This big man wore brown and a smile set deep against his ruddy cheeks. "'You're here,' he said. "'I am,' I replied. "'Great to see you. "'We have been expecting you,' he smiled. "'Come on in.' "'And he gently pushed against the heavy doors, "'and they swung open silently, creakless. "'And I took a couple of steps forward "'until at the threshold, one more step up and in, "'I realized I was not alone.' My friends had joined me, and they they hovered behind me, silent, looking on. None spoke. I realized only I could speak. And I looked at them. Some were Christian, some Hindu, some Buddhist, some Muslim, some Jewish, some atheist, some God knows what. And I stopped and I, I paused and a hesitant. A hesitant St. Peter looked at me patiently, expectantly. What about these folks, I asked St. Peter, my friends, my neighbors. Can they come? Well, St. Peter replied, soft in the, the still air, you know the rules. I'm sorry, but that's the way that things are. Only the right ones. And I looked at St. Peter. He seemed genuinely pained by his answer. And I, I stood considering, what, what should I do? And I, I thought about my reference points. And I thought, I thought about Jesus. Jesus, the bastard, Jesus, the outsider, Jesus, the unacceptable, Jesus, the drunkard, and Jesus, the fool, Jesus, the heretic, Jesus, the criminal. And I knew, I knew exactly where I belonged. You know, I think I'll just stay here too then, I said, taking one foot out of heaven. And I tell you, I swear, I saw something like a grin break across St. Peter's face. And then a voice, a voice from inside heaven's gates whispered finally, at last, someone finally gets it. There is nowhere, nowhere that you can go that God and God's love cannot find you. The question today is, does everyone that you know, know this too? Might we, might you, be brave enough, be loving enough, be radical enough to be excluded for including everyone in the love of God? May it be so. Amen.